morning. I just want to welcome you guys all here. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in online, uh, we know you're there. Uh, we'd love to see your faces sometimes, but we know you're there. And uh, glad that you're uh, tuning in with us, investing some time uh, this morning just to, to, to allow God's Word to be in your heart. And for those of you here this morning, thank you for, for, uh, for being here and, and uh, you know, prioritizing uh, community with people and prioritizing uh, time in His Word and with each other. And so I want to uh, start a new series uh, uh, this morning. If you're visiting with us, uh, you might miss the rest of it, but uh, we're, we're glad that you're here. Um, uh, uh, the last little while, I've been listening to this a uh, couple different series on the same topic. One was a series by Andy Stanley, another series was by Pete Wilson, and they're from years ago. And yet, as I was listening to them over the last few weeks, it's like parts of it just started grabbing my heart and realizing, man, this is like for me today. And then, as I, I thought about it, and I started looking around at other people, I realized it's not just for me. There's others uh, that that same thing um, tends to happen in their life. And, we tend to do this, this thing uh, without really realizing that we're doing it. And we tend to, um, to miss out or, or, or forget to realize the effects that it's having on our lives. And it's this thing called comparison. It's this idea of me just comparing to other people about how they compare. And, and uh, realizing that, that we do that, we don't all often realize what it's doing in our lives. So I want to talk about that for the next, uh, next couple of weeks. As I was uh, prepping for this, I realized that, you know, Walmart has a new online ad that says, we dare you to compare. We dare you. We dare you to compare. Uh, and compare their, you know, their prices, their products versus others. And find out that, sure enough, Walmart rolls back their prices so that, that you're going to be able to buy stuff, the same stuff from them, for cheaper. And they, just, they dare you to, to find that out. And, and all the Dutch people are like, yeah, that's great. You know, our favorite store is the Dutch store, but our next favorite store is Walmart. You know, it's, uh, it's that place where they're going to help us get, get the best deal. And, and, you know, we compare products. We compare things. Uh, you know, when you buy stuff, you want to find out, is that car versus this one? Uh, that has versus this one, and you compare different products, and there's something great with that. The problem is that when we begin to compare people in the same way, or we compare ourselves with people in the same way, that things just go really, really badly. And it's not really our faults. We kind of learned it growing up. We learned it uh, all through our lives. You know, in school, in school, they put all the, they put, you know, if you went to regular school, they put you in a classroom with a whole bunch of other kids, all the same age as you, and figured we'll teach you all the same stuff at the same time, at the same level. And yet, we realize everyone's unique. Not everyone's at that same level. And then and you start looking around, trying to measure yourself by the others in your class. You know, am I as tall as them? Or, you know, I'm, uh, maybe, well, I'm taller than them, so that's good. And, you know, they start measuring academically and, and trying to figure out, you know, figure out where you measure up in that class. And then there's report card time, right? And report cards come out and they hand you the envelope and say, take this to your parents and don't peek. Who, th- no, who thinks that that's a good idea? You know, you tell kids, like, don't peek. And, and they figure out, they open it up, and they look inside, and they lick and stick it to make sure, you know, the parents can't tell. Of course they can tell. But as you, as you open it up on the bus, you're looking like, hey, what did you get in math? They're like, oh, I got an A. I'm like, C. Well, I got an A+. Plus. You know, and they're, they're like looking at the other ones like, how did you do in this? Oh, yeah, well, I got an A++. Plus plus. So like, no such thing, right? Like, as you compare, you're like, oh, man, I'm hoping, you know, I'm, I'm smarter than those kids or not. You know, I, I hope that I, I, you measure it up a little bit. You're like, man, I just hope I just don't have to go to summer school, right? Because it's the summer school students that, if you went to summer school, I'm sorry, we did look down on you at that, at that age. <laughs> But there's this thing, it's wrong, it's completely wrong. You look at me like, you're terrible for thinking that. And you're right, it's terrible to, to think that way. But there's this, this idea of comparison. And, and you know, you can like blame me, but then by the time we got to high school, they just did it for you. They just put you in the, in the classes, they just grade you, either you're basic, you're general, or you're advanced. It's like, you know, you, it's same age, but they just graded you. And you just look and you like compare. And you, can see, and you see this comparison 
happened. And, and you know, the, it's not that it was all negative. There's moments in your life and maybe in, uh, in my life where you felt awesome. It was like you looked and you're like, yeah, you know, like, I feel pretty good about this. I remember in grade two. Uh, in grade two, I wasn't really good. At, I know, you're like, what? Yeah, there was only one time in my life that I felt awesome. It was grade two. Uh, uh, so the, there's, like, I wasn't good at a whole lot of stuff in grade two. But then they had field day, and they had this event where they put kids in feed bags and tell them to hop from one line to the next. And I didn't realize it, but, like, I was, I was good at hopping. Like, I didn't, couldn't do other stuff, but I could sure hop. I was like, this is, this is great. This is easy. I could do this. And so we lined up, and I We'd had the races, and I'd whoop everybody else in our class. I was like, I'm like a human rabbit, you know? Like, this is, this is just great. I found my calling. It's to, it's to hop. And so I, we had field day, and I got the red ribbons, and I'm like, oh, man, you wear them with pride. You put them on. You're so proud of you. It doesn't matter what it's for, but I was like, I, I'm like, I'm like the best at something. And, and then there's Master Field Day where they get all the schools together and they bring all the, the Christian schools together for this big super meet. And, and so I got to go because if you won an event, you got to go to this event. So I, I go to the, to, the, to the event and everybody's kind of talking. So you look at you like, what are you here for? I'm like, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the sack raising competition. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of me, but I'm like, I'm like the human rabbit where I come from. You know, like I, I owned Wellinport Christian School. And, and they look at it and, and this, all of a sudden this, this thing started going around. These kids were like, well, have you heard of the kangaroo kid? I'm like, the kangaroo kid? No, no, I haven't heard of it. And he's like, yeah, he's the best from Hamilton. I'm like, Hamilton, some tiny town. What's Hamilton? I never heard of that place. I'm just from like t- small town Smithville. I'm like, who cares? You know, the kangaroo kid, a human rabbit. I got this, you know? And so as we line up and we're just realizing, you know, they're, they're like, no, this kid's really fast. And we're like, that's okay. I'm fast too. And, and I, I'm like, as we, as we line up in the row, all of a sudden everybody looks and you can just know who the kangaroo kid is. Like he's got like the headband. He's got the sweat sponsors on his bag. And he's like, he's like there. And you look at him and you're like, everybody looks like, well, that's him, right? That's, that's the fast kid. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And as, as, as the, the whistle or whatever goes off, I'm like, I'm hopping with my little guts out, right? And looking and I'm like, I'm keeping up. You know, I got this kid. I got him right to the end. And all of a sudden, like, he was just, like, messing with us, right? Just kind of hopping along. And then, boom, takes off. And we're all, like, Wiley Coyote just went down the, the rest. And, and in grade two, it's like, all of a sudden, you get there. And I got second. I mean, I got, I got there. And they hand you that blue ribbon. And you're, like, they, they, they force you to wear it. They pin it on. You're, like, I don't want nobody to see this. You know, I was, like, the, I was the best. And then and as you're walking along, people are, like, hey, would you get a second in? And I'm, like, mm, sack raising, you know. And he's, like, oh, the kangaroo kid. And like, yeah, yeah, the kangaroo kid, right? It's, it's that, that thought of my elation of being like the best was like just dropped right to nothing. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be compared, you know, and, and I gave up my career at that point. I could have been Olympic, you know, <laughs> but it was that moment that, that all of a sudden it's like in that comparison that just, it destroyed something uh, in us. And, and uh, you know, it's like, you know, I thought maybe that's just regular school, but homeschool is no different. You know, when I was uh, homeschooled, I was like, can just compare myself to my younger siblings. And I was older, faster, better, stronger. They wrote that song about me, the what Daft Punk, you know, better, faster, stronger. That, that's my life, you know, I was in, in homeschool. And I compared to my, to my siblings, and I'm like, yeah, I got, I got, I'm better than that. The, uh, but then homeschool decided they'd have a field day as well. And so they brought all the homeschooler students to a prison, I don't know why they did that, but Sprucedale, yeah, we went in Sprucedale, we were there for our, for our uh, field day, and, and there's the barbed wire all the way around, and, and, and the problem with, with homeschool is that there's not a whole lot of kids that were my age, so it was just me and this kid named Brad Miles, we're the only two, and if you've met him, you know, his parents fed him fertilizer when he was a kid, he had a beard when he was in grade three, he was like this super tall guy, and, and I'm this wee little guy, and I'm like, this is like, I gotta go against him in every event, and there's like, well, there's two girls in the event too, one was Tracy Fast, 
uh, who many of you know, and then there was this other girl, and they're like, yeah, so it's you four, and there's guys and girls, sort of separate events, and, and some are combined, and, and every single event, Brad would get the red ribbon, and I would get the blue ribbon. I was like number two all the way along, except for shot put, because the girls beat me in that too. Those, those farmers, you know, they throw bales around, they could throw balls farther than I could. So I lost that event too. And so it's like loser, loser, loser. I'm like, yeah, but it's second, like, yeah, second out of two, right? First loser, last loser, just loser, right? And so it's like this comparison thing, well, the last event comes up, and it's like the 400 meters, and, and I'm like, you know what, I can't lose every event. I got to win one. And so I'm like, as we're running around the track, I'm just like sort of staying with them. I remembered from my kangaroo kid days, just stay with them until the end, and then you just give it. So, so we did a couple laps around the track, and I got to that spot where I could see the end, and I'm like, and Brad just watching the crowd. He knows he's going to win, and all of a sudden, that moment where he was a little bit um, d- distracted by somebody in the audience, all of a sudden, I just booked it, and I ran, I ran, ran. He, by the time he realized it was too late, he caught up to me, but too late, I passed the finish line first. I was a winner. And I went, I know, and I went out, thank you for that. You just brought back, like, great memories from my childhood. <laughs> You could have played, like, the soundtrack for Chariots of Fire. That would have been really, really cool. But, but as, I, as, I got to that, as I got to that spot, and, I'm, and I went up to, to Brad. As soon as they pinned the red ribbon on, I was like, I wandered over, right? Because I'm like, it's a whole bunch of blue in this red one. I'm like, you know, I think he, he's going to be like, wow, you know, good job. And he's like, you know, he says to me, he's like, hey, you know what? Uh, he says, I just felt sorry for you, man. You, you lost all the other events. I just had to let you win one. And I'm like, What? <laughs> And I know, it brings that, like, all of a sudden, that well, was just that moment of elation. How come you didn't clap for that? Like, that's, you know, it's like this moment of elation just gets dropped down. Why? What happened in those things? It's this idea of comparison that leads to these things in our life that, that drops us down. But as, as adults, it doesn't really go away. As adults, we kind of grow up, and we, you still kind of look to your left and look to your, oh, wait, I did this last night, too. You look to your right, and you look to your left, homeschool. Uh, and, and you're like, you, you look to the to left and right, you can measure yourself up against other people. And you do it subconsciously, and you kind of wonder, you know, like you compare your job to someone else's job and think, you know, am I doing okay? Am I making enough money? Am I, you know, I'm in that, in that right spot? You know, and as, you, as you get married, you start comparing your marriage to other people's marriages. Like, you know, my marriage doesn't quite look as, as good as them, but it's way better than theirs. So, you know, and you, and you start looking that way. And maybe it's your kids, you know, as your kids are growing up, you're like, yeah, you know, my kids do this. And they're like, well, but they're not as dumb as those kids. Those kids make really dumb decisions, you know. And, and I know all the parents are like, we don't do this. Sure you don't. Uh, you know, and then it's like your, your education. You know, you look at your finances and you kind of look both ways to kind of see where do I, where do I measure up? Am I, am I okay? And it just kind of sneaks up on you. It's not intentional. You didn't wake up this morning and go, hey, I'm going to compare myself to everybody else at church today. But I have this question for you. If you knew there was a company that loses money every single year, would you invest in it? Oh, I got, okay. I'm, I'm going to tell you, don't. You know, <laughs> don't. If there was a company that lost money every single year, would you invest in it? No. If, if you drove down this road and 100% of the people that turned left out of the parking lot get in a car accident, would you turn left? No, because 100% of the time it's, it's going to happen. You wouldn't play those odds. And yet 100% of the time when we compare, things go badly. There's negative consequences in our life, and yet we still are tempted to do it. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he wrote this to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, to a bunch of followers of Jesus in that town. They had been writing to him about the people in their church who were like, we think we're awesome, and, you know, they were comparing. And so he wrote to them, he says, you know, I'm Apostle Paul, but I, I dare not compare ourselves or class ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they measure themselves by themselves, and they compare themselves among themselves, and they're not wise. This is not wisdom to, uh, to compare yourself with one another. 
And yet we still do it. But it's all throughout the Bible. If you look through the Bible, you'll see story after story after story where there's this idea of comparison between two people and it breaks down relationships and it breaks things apart. Cain and Abel, the first two, two kids in the Bible. Adam and Eve have two kids, Cain and Abel. And, and uh, you know, you see, you see um, Cain looking at Abel and like, man, like Abel's sacrifice gets accepted. Everything Abel does, God seems to bless. And maybe that's you this morning. You're, you're looking around, you're like, you look at people's lives and you think, man, you know, God seems to bless that person. Like everything they do, it turns to gold. It just works. You know, they found the right person to marry right away. They've just got like the perfect, they got the perfect job. Every, it's like every prayer they ask for gets answered and God, here I am struggling. And they look and if you know the story of Cain and Abel, Cain just gives up and decides to just kill his brother. Take him out of the picture. Jacob and Esau, you see a little later on, Jacob, you know, Jacob wanting to be everything that his brother Esau is. Esau has the birthright. Esau has all the blessing. It's like that first sibling rivalry of, of you know, wanting to be more like his, his brother. And maybe you grew up that way. Maybe that was your, you know, my brothers are here this morning. I know you feel this pain. But, you know, that idea of wanting to be like your older brother, uh, that, that, that idea of, of growing up all the time of feeling compared. They don't. I'm just kidding. I just have to say it to make myself feel better. Right? But, you know, Jacob and Esau... Their, their relationship was estranged for 20 years simply because comparison crept into to, to, um, Jacob's uh, heart. You see Joseph and his brothers. Joseph's got a dream. He's got a vision. He shares it with his brothers. They don't like it. They sell him into slavery. And maybe you're here this morning and that's you. You're like, you know, I see people and it's like they know the God-given destiny for their life. You know, they're out changing the world and I just got this nosebleed job. I just do whatever. It's like, I'm just not making any difference. I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. How come, how come they get to know? And you compare. You know, you see the breakdown in their relationships as a result. And then Leah and Rachel. It's not just guys, it's girls too. This one, you know, I love it. It just talks about how Leah and Rachel, it talks about how Rachel was extraordinarily beautiful. And Leah was plain. You know, you come in and it's like that thing of just comparing, you know, your looks with, with others. Wondering, you know, why couldn't I be skinnier? Why couldn't I be tall, dark, and handsome? Why couldn't, why couldn't, why do I look like this? Why couldn't I look more like those people? I mean, it's pretty bad for Leah. Her dad had to actually trick somebody into marrying her. It was that bad. So, I mean, you're, got, you're up on that, right? It's... But it's that idea of comparison, and maybe that's been for you. Maybe that's you. You always judge, you know, am I doing okay based on how others look or hoping when you walk into a room that you're the best-looking person in the room or you're just not going there. It leads to breakdowns in, in all kinds of relationships. Jesus, you know, when Jesus, you can see how far it can go. The leaders of, of, the, of the nation of Israel that crucified Jesus, Pilate said they did it because of jealousy. Jesus, they compared their lives to him. It's like, he's got the crowds, and we don't have the crowds. He, they listen to what he says. They don't listen to what we say. He's popular. We're not so popular. Let, let's kill him. And what we don't realize is that comparison leads to the same things in our life. We destroy relationships around us simply because we don't realize that we're comparing with them. And so my question is, you know, why did they compare? Why do we compare today? And, and who are you measuring your life up against? In what areas of your life are you doing this comparison thing and measuring? Because in the end, it's always going to be bad. Two thoughts this morning. Why do we do it? If we can read all these stories and see the negative side of all of it, and we realize it's not wise, why do we still do it? Here's one thought. Number one, we don't understand the extent of our own brokenness. 
We don't understand the extent of our own brokenness as people. What I mean by that is we don't realize how broken that we really are inside. And so because we don't think it's all that broken, we try and fix it ourselves. And how do we try and fix it? We compare. We look to our left and see, oh, that person, you know, if I could just be more like them, then I'll be able to fix what's wrong in me. If I could just be a little bit whatever, whatever it is. And, um, um, it, like Andy Stanley talked about it in this way. He said, you know, it's like we just want to add er to our lives. Just want more er. You know, I just wish I could be smarter. I wish I could be, you know, stronger. I wish I could be richer. Uh, I wish I could be taller if you're Daryl. You know, I wish I could be, you know, uh, I wish I could be healthier. I just wish, you know, whatever er, er is uh, in your life. And you just, you just want more uh, of that. And so you kind of look and you think, if I could just get a little bit more of that er in my life, it's going to be okay. But Solomon, Solomon, who is the, was the wisest man of his time, he wrote these words 3,000 years ago, which is incredible. Uh, and they, they stand up today. It says this in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4. He says, Solomon says, I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. They compare, and that comparison turns to, well, I want what they have. Uh, and he says, but this is meaningless. He says, it's like chasing the wind. He says this idea of of comparison is directly linked. As you compare, it becomes directly linked to envy in your life, and then it also uh, becomes directly linked to unhappiness. You know, comparison steals your joy, and it steals your gratitude. The things that you're thankful for, all of a sudden that evaporates. That gratitude evaporates as soon as you begin to compare because you realize what you don't have, and you forget about what you do have. And it's this this idea that, you know, maybe it's going to make me feel better, look better, seem better if I can just get there. I was at a pastor's conference a number of weeks ago, and they said, they said this statement that sort of stuck with me, and it was this. They said that the enemy of the church that you have is the church that you want. Oftentimes, the enemy of the church that you have is the church that you want. And it's not saying that for you guys, saying that for me as a pastor, you know, and then saying, hey, you know what, I wish, I wish our church did all Hillsong music, and I wish our did what did this, or, you know, I wish our church had, you know, like, was like massive and had whatever, whatever the desire is. He says, you know what, don't, don't forget about the church that you have. I'm so blessed to have an awesome church to be a part of. You guys are like an incredible, an incredible group to be a part of. It's, it's so many of the others that have those thoughts of like, well, I, you know, I don't really like my church, so I wish it was like this. I don't have that problem, just saying. But it's that, that, that thought of, you know, it could be anything. Fill in the blank. Sometimes the enemy of the, the, of the uh, friendships that you um, have is the ones that you want. You know, in, in high school, grade school, it's like you had these kids that wanted to be your friends and you don't hang out with them because you want to hang out with the cool club who never really give you any time of day. You know, or it's, or, or it's like, you know, the, the, the enemy of your marriage is the one that you want. And it's not... not I'm not saying that it's this idea of you can't strive to be better. We're going to talk about that next week, that idea. But it's that idea of your values determined by it. You know, it's like you don't just want er for you. You want er for your spouse. You know, I wish my wife was hotter, richer. You know, I wish she would do this and this because it would make. But really, it's ultimately just to make you feel better. Or your kids, you want them to have er. I wish they were smarter. I wish they, you know, uh, did this. I wish they didn't do some of those things because it makes me look and feel better. And it's not really about everything else. It's about us. It's about that, that inside part of us. And Solomon says, it's like chasing the wind. I love that word picture because it's just, it's absolute craziness. He says this idea of comparison is like you run around like, I got it, I got it, I got it. Here, let me show you. I'm like, what? It's, oh, wait, it's gone. You know, you run over here. It's like, ah, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. It's like, here, I want to show you the wind. Oh, wait, it's gone. He says, we, we know that as we see that, that was just like foolishness. And yet, he says, it's that same thing. Every time you compare, you're doing that same thing. 
And you're always going to find that there's someone, once you think you've caught it, once you think you got there, there's always going to be one more who was richer, one more who's better, one more kid, their kid is smarter, one more person. You're like, ah. And this kind of comparison thing, it's fueled by awareness. It's fueled by awareness. And it's like, there's no way to not be aware of things anymore. You drove in the parking lot, you're like, you drive in, and you're like, oh man, which vehicles have more chrome than me? I'm parking like, I'm parked by the pastor's rusty old car, you know. I'll feel better how kind of getting out of that. It's just awareness is everywhere. And so awareness is like this thing that's like fuel for the fire of comparison. It's like pouring gas on the fire of, of comparison. And you know, it's, it's all around us. You see it on Facebook and Instagram. You know, you wake up in the morning, you know, alarm clock goes off, check your Facebook, check your Instagram, and all of a sudden you see them. It's your friends. They just post these, these pictures. And it's like, they, it's like they have like the perfect selfie at 6 a.m. You look at the selfie like, hey, I just woke up and here's a selfie. And you're like, how do they wake up looking like that? So I asked somebody this week about, um, so they're a pro selfie taker, uh, and they, uh, they always have these, you know, selfies online. I'm like, so I asked them, like, so how, like, how did you get the, the selfie? And, and I saw their phone, and I saw the picture of the selfie, and I was like, I looked at it. And then as I scrolled through the pictures, I realized there was a hundred pictures of the same selfie until they found the exact perfect one, and then they posted that one. I was like, unbelievable. You should have posted this one where your eye was half closed, and you look like you're like a cyclops. How come you didn't put that one online? They just post their best one, and we didn't know it. You know, it's like people post food. I don't know why, but they do. They just post food. It's like, you know, you look at their site, and they're like, we had this for supper last night. It's like the best barbecue ever. Like every meat possible was on their barbecue. You're like, I craft dinner and wieners, you know? Like, how come I can't eat like that? You're like, wife, you know, cook more like that. More er, right? Like, I want more barbecue er. Uh, you know, they put filet mignon, and you're like, well, I had oatmeal, right? And, and, and what you don't realize is that the night before, they had craft dinner and wieners. They just forgot to take a picture and put it on Instagram. You know, and then you look at their house, and they take a picture of their room, and it's like, whoa, I saw this room on Pinterest, and now it's their room. Like, wait, they're famous on Pinterest. All their rooms look like they're, they're so Pinteresting, and you're like, you know, then you hate your house, right? You go into your bedroom, which was fine yesterday, and today it's like, it sucks. We got to paint it. We got to destroy it, change it, because so-and-so had that. And it's like, you, you know, you go to people's houses, and you walk in, and it's like a prominent home. It's got 10-foot ceilings. You, you look in, you're like, wow, you go to your house, like, I have nine-foot ceilings. And you're like, all of a sudden, you hate your house. And it's like, you feel like you're a duck all the time, right? It's like, it's just not as good as, as theirs. And it's this comparison thing that we do, you see them post pictures of their vacation. You're like, they're on vacation again? Teachers, you know, like, how is that, how is that possible? That they go on vacation, you look at, like, they were, they're in Italy, and like, well, they were, you know, they were in Paris last week, and they are in the Bahamas. How do they get to go on all this vacation? You're like, well, I gotta do that kind of vacation, then. I, I gotta have some of that in my life. You look at their cottage versus yours, you know, you look at all, all the different things, and, and then, you know, they'll post their family pictures, and there's their hot husband, and all their kids smiling. You're like, how come that happens? You know, and I don't do that. I don't, I don't have that same thing, but you know, it's that, that, that you look at them, you're like, what? How do they get all their kids to smile? I'll tell you how. They bribe them, right? That's like, you know, kids, you can have candy, and husband, you can have Xbox. Just smile for one picture, right? And then they post that online. You're like, wow, they have the perfect family. And what we do is we compare our real life to something that's not reality. We compare our regular life to their highlight reel. And it's like the, all of a sudden, it's, but we don't realize we're doing it, but it stirs up this comparison in us that begins to lead to like this little bit of envy and like, ah, you know what, what I, 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 if I could just have a little bit more of that, maybe I, I'd be okay. And we measure. And for some, you know, you're done. You, don't, you, you got tired of measuring up. And you're just like, I can't afford to keep measuring up to these people. So I'm just going to measure down instead. 
Measuring down, oh man, you can feel so better about yourself in just like seconds. Just go online and, you know, Google like, um, you know, uh, redneck family photos and you like, you think your family's royalty when you start looking at some of these other things. It's, it's like you start measuring down and, you know, I was golfing with my family yesterday and my brothers, you know, I'd stand up at the tee box and, and I'd swing the perfect swing and the ball would go straight into the side into a bush and they'd be like, I'd be happy with that shot if I were you. You know, I'm like... You would? Oh, well, okay then. You know, and as we go to the next tee box, they're not happy that I got, that they wouldn't be happy with that shot there. I mean, they're just happy I had that shot so they could beat me, right? They could feel better when they stand up and say, woo, straight down the fairway. And the second one, you know, off to the side. And they're like, oh, I'd be happy with that shot if I were you. And then they stick up, step up and straight down the fairway. I'm like, unbelievable. So I quit and went to church instead. But, you know, the, 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 it's this idea of, you know, if, if I can, feel better about myself when others, when others fall short. You know, we look for people and we surround ourselves and we look for people that, that make us feel better about ourselves. It's like, you know, I might be a few pounds overweight, but that person, oh my goodness. You know, I might have a few moles and wrinkles, but man, that person, see, they got to take care of themselves. You know, it's, it's things like you look at my kids are like, oh, you know, my kids do some, some pretty strange things, but those kids, I mean, like those parents, they, they have no concept of parenting as well. And the problem is when we start looking down and measuring down, we become, we become uh, uh, dishonest about our own weaknesses. And you begin to have that voice in your head, start talking about your weaknesses in a way like saying, you know, uh, you look at your things as being teeny and tiny and small. I, I, got this, I got this tiny problem with swearing, but they speak fluent factory, you know. I'm like, I, I, got this, I got this small problem with alcohol, but that guy's like, a, he's a drunker, right? You know, I got, this, I got this small problem with lust. I got this small problem with whatever, overeating, uh, whatever it might be. And you always kind of look at them, but man, their life's a train wreck. And you know what? Your problem's probably the same level as their problem. But the problem with this comparison thing is we, we become disingenuous about our own weaknesses. And what does it do? It actually hinders God from being able to bring change in our life in those areas. Because we don't think that, that, that we need to change or we need any help because we can always find somebody who's a little bit worse. So the number one, we don't understand our brokenness and we try and fix it. And the second thought is we don't understand how God measures us. The reason we compare is we don't understand how God actually measures us. God designed us to complement one, one another, not compete with one another. Paul wrote to the Roman believers and he wrote this, this chapter to them. He said, you know, here's Christian living. Here's a whole bunch of bullet points of, of just living as a follower of Christ. And one of them was this. He said to them, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Powerful thought. But you know, for a person who's stuck with comparison, they can't do that. You know, when, something has, when somebody has something awesome go on in their life, they can't rejoice with them because they're jealous. It's that little twinge of, well, how come God didn't do that in my life? That person got healed. Well, how come God didn't do that in my life? That person got a promotion. Well, how come I didn't get promoted? He's saying rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't compare. You don't need to compare with them. He says just rejoice with them. And then for those who weep, you know, it says weep with those who weep. And for those who are stuck in comparison, they can't weep with those who weep for the simple reason that it makes them feel a little bit better on the inside. It's just ugly when this happens. But it's like, you know, their life is good. And, and, and all of a sudden their kid does something really stupid. And you're like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Oh, yes, it wasn't my kid. You know, you, you feel a little bit. You feel a little bit better, and that's, that's, it's horrible. It's really a horrible thing when you, when you think about that. And, and, and um, Paul was saying to them, you know what? This idea of comparison, it leads to that ugliness. James actually says it even better. James talks about how that ugliness just grows. He says in chapter 3, verse 13, if you're wise, see, really the, the, whole, the whole comparison between the two is wisdom and comparison are kind of op they're opposite ends of the spectrum. 
He says, comparison, it's, it's, it's foolishness. If you're wise and you understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Humility is just a proper perspective of yourself. It's like, I just know who I am. I don't need to compare with either side because I, I, I have that proper perspective of who I am. He says, if, you're, um, if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. He's like, don't go into this mode of it's all about me and I'm so great. And he says in, in verse 15, for jealousy and selfishness, they're not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. See, this comparison thing is not just about people or stuff. You know, it's not like one of those things, well, you know, it's, it's just a people thing. You know, if all the, if all the uh, skinny people would just, like, leave the planet, life would be better for me. You know, or if all the rich people would leave the planet, then at least, you know, it'd be, it'd be fine. Or if I could just get some more of this stuff, it'd be fine. It's not. It's a spiritual thing. It's right to the core of our being. And then in verse 16, he just, he hammers it home. He says, for wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, wherever this idea of comparison that leads to this, he says, you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. Had a young girl come up afterwards last night and share with me that this is the stuff, type of stuff that in her school, it's amazing at how her friend can be just so, so evil. The things that come out of their mouth when they talk to each other at school because of the simple thing of comparison. That evil, it's just not, it doesn't just stop there. It says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. And he begins to describe the opposite side of it. See, God's desire is to know how he measures us. He wants us to know how he sees us. So we're not looking left and right to see how we measure up. And Paul wrote to the Galatians and he said this, this is how God measures you. This is how God measures you. He says, but when the right time came, God sent a son born of a woman, subject to the law. It says God sent him to buy freedom, to redeem us, to restore relationship uh, for us who were slaves to the law. He says so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Love those words. His very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Not just, you know, God's my father in heaven. He's like my father relationally. There's connection there. It's not just, yeah, you know, you know you're okay. It's like there's relationship restored. He says, now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God's made you his heir. So I want to leave you with this thought this morning. How does God see me? If you ask that question, how does God see me? And we have two different groups of people here this morning. We have those of you who, are, who would call yourselves followers of Jesus. You've decided that, you know, uh, I believe in Christ and I want to follow him. And there's others here this morning. You're not a follower of Jesus. You just came. I don't know why you came this morning. Maybe you heard there's free brownies. Maybe you came because somebody told you they'd buy you lunch after church if you just come. Maybe you were camping, had nowhere else to go, so you came here this morning. Uh, whatever was the reason that you're here. You know, the, and, but you're like, you know, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't even know about all this Jesus stuff. You're like, you're just happy that the building didn't burn down when you walked in. And you're hearing like, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I want to know what God thinks about me. For some, if you're honest, you, you're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to think about that. Because I right away think that he's probably angry at me or there's stuff in my life. You know, I don't even believe he's there, maybe, is your thought. But can I tell you? That if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, can I tell you what he thinks about you? Truthfully and honestly, this is what God thinks about you. He absolutely loves you. Put your name in there. Put, he, he loves you. And it's not just loves you. He loves you enough to send his son to die for you. To send his own uh, son to die in your place. You're like, well, why do you have to die in my place? You know, that's, just, I, that's, that's the part I don't understand about all of this. He died to pay a debt that we all owe. You're like, well, I don't owe a debt, you know? Like, what, what's the debt that I owe? 
Each and every one of us at the end of our lives will stand before God and give an account of how we lived our lives. We'll give an account for the things that we've done, the things that we've said. When we got it right, when we got it wrong, we're going to have to give an account of all of that. And just because you're unaware of the fact that you're going to stand before God someday doesn't make it untrue. A couple months ago, I was driving in Hamilton and I went through... um, I went through a red light, and I've told this story. I went through the red light, and uh, I, I was unaware that I had done anything really bad. Actually, I knew I'd done something bad. I was unaware that I had been caught. And so as I, as I drove, uh, uh, for the next couple of weeks, I was fine until I got a letter in the mail that said, we saw you go through that red light, and you owe a lot of money. And I was like, oh, man. I'm like, there's pictures of my car, and I for sure thought it was Beth, but it wasn't. It was me. And, and all of a sudden, you know, now I'm aware that I owe this fine, and, and I'm going to have to stand before the judge. And that was the worst day standing before that judge and having to say, yes, I'm guilty. I did that. And yes, I'll pay my fine. I hated that. And yet, you know, it's the same thing for each and every single one of us. One day we'll stand before a judge and whether aware or unaware of the fine doesn't mean that it isn't there. That fine is there for each and every single one of us. That judgment of the the rotten stuff that we've done, the things where we've missed it, there's there's a judgment for that. And God says, you know what, though? I love you so much that even though you deserve judgment, even though you deserve to have to pay this fine yourself, I'm gonna pay it for you. I will send my son to die in your place because that's the price of the fine. That's how big it is, but I'm going to pay it for you and give you the opportunity to, to have that paid for you and have a relationship with me. That's what he says about you. He absolutely loves you. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus this morning, what does he think about you? I tell you, as Paul said, it's not just about forgiveness and going to heaven someday. It's way more than that. His thought is that you are his child. When he looks at you, he says, you know what, as a follower of me, you're my child. I'm your father. There's relationship here. And not just, not just a child, you're not just a child I put up with. You're the heir that gets, gets everything. Uh, that's the, the, the thoughts that I have towards you. He's, he, Jesus described him as a heavenly father and as a perfect father. And so, you know, as we talk about this thought of comparison, you know, how should we compare ourselves uh, and, and how does God compare us? My question is this, who do perfect parents compare their children to? Who do perfect parents compare their children to? No one. Imperfect parents will compare their kids, you know, but I should say imperfect parents, there's lots of them. I'm one of them. We don't, imperfect parents don't compare their kids. I know you look at at baby dedications and stuff, you see some of those kids and they're not that cute. You know, there's some of them that, those parents, they look at them and, but those parents would never look at those children and say, oh, that baby's not that cute. I wish my baby looked more like their baby. No, nobody does that, right? They absolutely love that, that baby for, for who they are. They don't compare them because they're, there's that comparison. If you ever hear a parent compare their children to other children, you don't think of that the child's messed up. You think the parent's messed up, you know, for comparing their kids. It's this idea as you look at it that he says, you know, that, that a, a, a perfect parent's not comparing their children to anyone. And as our perfect heavenly father, he's looking at us, he says, I'm not comparing you to anyone. Because for all of us, that would be really scary. Maybe you're sitting here and you think, oh, yeah, God compares me to Mark. You're like, I'm doing good. <laughs> you know, or, you know, God, God's comparing me to, you know, to my, my aunt and uncle or my parents. Or, you know, God's comparing me to Billy Graham. You're like, oh, darn. You know, or God's comparing me to Apostle Paul. I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm in trouble. He says, you know what? As a perfect father, he's not comparing you to anyone. And so he's saying, you know, you shouldn't compare either because comparison brings death to relationships. So I want to leave you with these questions. If you were sleeping all morning, wake up for a second, ask, ask these questions, and, and uh, take them home with you. Honestly, who are you comparing your life to? Who are you measuring your life by? 
Maybe it's not all. Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just certain areas. In what areas are you measuring your life, but you're measuring it based on someone else? Could even be your spirituality. You think, you know, I'm not as spiritual as so-and-so. Who are you measuring? Are you exhausted by trying to keep up with, with what everyone else is doing and trying to keep up and, and trying to accomplish and do things to feel better about you? Are you tired? Are you broke? Because you're trying to buy stuff so that you feel like you're in that place. You feel better about yourself as a person. You feel better about yourself. Are you buying stuff and trying to keep up, trying to get more er? Are you so focused on what other people have that you don't actually enjoy the stuff that God's allowed you to manage? He's put stuff in your life and you're like, you know what? All you can think about is what other people have. You don't actually enjoy what you have. And these last two are probably the most important. Do you enjoy the relationship that you have with your spouse? Do you enjoy that relationship? Or are you driving them crazy, wishing that they would be a little bit more er in certain areas so that you feel better about yourself? Or do you simply enjoy the relationship that you have with them? And this one, do you enjoy your children? Or are you driving them crazy by trying to make them become these people, you know, trying to get them to, to, to do certain things that make you look better as a parent? And you drive them nuts and you're pushing them away. You don't realize it, but it's just because it's this idea of you compare your parenting to other people's parenting based on how your children act. Okay, tell you, they're all kids and they're all going to do stupid stuff and it doesn't reflect negatively on you. They're kids. That idea of enjoying the relationship that you have with them. So as Walmart would say, I dare you to compare. My challenge for you this morning is I dare you not to. I dare you not to compare this week. As you go through things, as you realize those, the, the stuff, you'll notice it because you'll be unhappy and you're going you're gonna to be unthankful. Those are those moments when you realize, oh, I must be comparing something to someone else. And that those moments to say, you know what, Holy Spirit, help me to get my eyes on you and realize that, you know what, I'm enough because you say I'm enough. And, and who I am uh, and who you see me to be is all that I need. And to take that moment to live your life out of that and avoid being caught in this, in this trap called comparison. Can we pray? Father, thank you that you call us your children. Thank you that you don't compare us to anyone else, but that you, uh, that you love us each uh, for who we are, that you've created us unique and created us with purpose that's individual to each and every one of us. So, Father, I pray that this week as we go through our lives, and you know, there's those moments where we look left and look right and look at the possibility of comparing our life to others and feeling inadequate or inferior or feeling superior and, 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 and seeing that, that, that error as well. Holy Spirit, would you just speak into our hearts and our, into our minds? Would you give us that little check on the inside that, that draws us to look to you instead of to others? Uh, Father, I pray for those who are here this morning who don't know you and have had these thoughts, you know, that, that you're upset with them or that you're... Uh, you're angry at them or you just don't care about them. Lord, I pray that this morning too, that they have such a sense of your incredible love for them as individuals and the sense you're drawing on their life to become a follower of you. Uh, God, I pray as we go from this place that we'd be a light that shines bright, that people would, would be able to see you shining through us and that they'd be drawn to you as well. Thank you for the freedom that we have in you, the peace that we can have just living our lives in you and with you. And we'd go out in that in your name this morning. Amen.